You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Natalia Reagan. Today, Cody Cassidy is back to talk about the dirty, smelly history of soap. You'll also learn about a bias that makes people believe poor people have thicker skin and how good anxiety can help you get things done. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've never been more aware of how important soap is to our health. Hand washing kills germs, which means it can help prevent infections, avoid food contamination. It's even been linked to higher school attendance. But we've had soap for way longer than we've known about germs. So what made us invent the stuff in the first place? Today, Cody Cassidy is back to give us the answer. He's the author of the new book, Who Ate the First Oyster? The Extraordinary People Behind the Greatest Firsts in History, which uncovers the geniuses behind many of history's forgotten innovations and world-turning inventions, from the person who wore the first pants to the Stone Age physician who performed the first surgery. Here he is on the grimy history of soap. It's something we've always sort of taken for granted. It, it first showed up probably in, in ancient times when people understood that you could use ash, uh, which is a kind of lye from a fire, and clean off a greasy plate or something because it would combine with the fat and create a sort of mild saponification effect. Uh, but it wasn't first made until uh, intentionally made as a product until around 4,500 years ago, we think. And we know because it was written on a sort of ancient Akkadian tablet. And uh, shockingly, it wasn't made at all. That didn't have anything to do with uh, washing hands. It was about improving the textile process. Soap helps remove lanolin from wool a little bit. So this person who invented soap, this sort of great medical product, probably had absolutely no idea what she had done. And it's really been a sort of 4,500-year process for us understanding how great a product soap it really is. I'm, I'm kind of speechless. I actually never really thought about what lye even was. That's, that's amazing that you can just get it from like a campfire. Yeah, it's like even in the Middle Ages, a lot of people made their own homemade soap by just dipping ash, like sort of a tea bag into some greaser fat, a greaser fatty water. And it, and it makes a it's not as pure of a soap as we would buy today, but it, it makes an impure soap and it works. Do you have a sense or do you write in the book about how quickly after that, you know, it took for a soap to kind of become the standard it is today? Oh, I mean, it's it's been a it's been a 4,500 year process because I mean, really, it was until a microscope that people understood what soap was actually doing or even began to understand. So, I mean, the ancient Egyptians uh, used soap simply because it you know makes people smell better. It has that effect, and they no idea, I'm sure, of the the medicinal qualities. So, soap has sort of been sporadically adopted until until the microscope and then Louis Pasteur. Yeah, I mean, you would think at least anecdotally, if you if it's raining outside or something, and you cover your whole body with soap, that your skin feels better, right? Um, so. Yeah, exactly. That's that's sort of why it was used. I know the the Gauls used it. The so-called barbarians used soap, and the, the Romans didn't. They used that in some cases. They used sort of spoiled urine, which also has a sort of mild saponification effect. So just to smell better, certainly. But most people have probably had no idea that it was destroying the bacteria on your hands. I, I, I have heard that about the urine. I didn't know that it actually had a saponification effect. It does. It, it actually works a little bit. I don't, I have not tried it myself and I, uh, <laughs> I don't think it works quite as well as soap. Uh, so the so-called barbarians, which were using soap, probably were a little bit cleaner than, than the Romans. When it comes to being clean, please do not do as the Romans do. Again, that was Cody Cassidy, author of Who Ate the First Oyster? The Extraordinary People Behind the Greatest Firsts in History. You can find a link to pick it up in today's show notes. Setbacks, emergencies, and personal crises are hard to deal with, no matter who you are. 
But according to a series of studies done at Princeton University, not everyone believes that. The researchers found something troubling. Most people think that the poor are less affected by negative life events than those with means. They call it a thick skin bias. People in poverty are routinely mistreated, and the Princeton researchers had a hunch that this thick skin bias was the cause. So through four studies, they asked a group of participants to read about people of different races and genders who experienced negative life events. In one story, a person was served an overcooked meal. In another, a person was wrongly accused of shoplifting. Participants got a photo of each person with a short story. The story said each of the people were born and raised in a large American city, but some of the people were described as poor and others were described as financially stable. Independent of race or gender, poor people were seen as much less harmed by the negative life events than people of higher socioeconomic statuses. In later studies, the researchers made sure there weren't any other factors at play. Like maybe it wasn't that being poor gave you a thick skin, but that being rich gave you a thin skin. That wasn't the case. Participants thought a rich person who falls on hard times gets tougher from the experience of poverty, but a poor person who gets suddenly rich won't be changed by that experience of wealth. They also tested whether participants thought poor people had thicker skin because negative events are more common for them. That wasn't the case either. The bias also showed up in events that are equally common for a poor or rich person, like getting hit by a car. They surveyed people of different races, genders, incomes, and occupations. Through all the studies, the researchers found a thick skin bias. The problem is this idea isn't true. People who live in poverty experience more stress, trauma, and troubling experiences. But those hardships do not give a person thicker skin. Instead, the trauma of poverty can mean that negative experiences affect those people even more. This is a big problem. If the thick skin bias is this widespread, it's probably at work in our policymakers, legislators, therapists, and teachers. If these people think the poor can live with less or are less affected by negative experiences, they may feel like it's less urgent to help them. People in poverty need more help, not less. And it's important for all of us to remember that. Do you worry a lot? Obsess over the details? Live in fear of a never-ending parade of deadlines? The bad news is you're probably experiencing a form of anxiety. The good news is it might be good for you. It also might not. Let me explain. In 2017, a study published in the Journal of Individual Differences looked into why some people seem to work best under pressure. It was inspired by psychology researcher Julianne Strack's observation that in some situations, negative emotions like anxiety can be as powerful a driver as positive emotions. The researchers recruited more than 400 journalists, some students, some professionals, and measured their anxiety, how much they were motivated by anxiety, how well they could identify their feelings, and a few metrics of success, like academic achievement or job satisfaction. They found that anxiety could be a powerful motivator for some. For others, it had the opposite effect, causing depression and a major drop off in productivity. Specifically, anxiety was good for people who were motivated by anxiety and could easily identify and understand their own emotions. These people were found to have higher grades and be more satisfied at work than anxious people who weren't motivated by anxiety. In other words, the ability to identify anxious feelings for what they are and be motivated by them could completely offset many of the negative side effects traditionally associated with them. 
So if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed with your workload, it might help to try to channel that feeling into better motivation. After all, if you tackle it quickly, you won't be so overwhelmed afterward. Although anxiety can have a positive impact on your well-being, it's not something that you want to let grow unchecked. After all, anxiety has been linked to such issues as short-term memory loss and an inability to concentrate. If you've been plagued with recurring anxiety problems, things like cardio exercise and breath training can help. But in the end, this might be good news for some. Anxiety isn't always a bad thing. It might be good for your career, too. Well, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> it's, it's certainly good news for me. <laughs> right? <laughs> the whole time I was a bundle of nerves as you were reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's recap the main things we learned today. We learned that soap wasn't invented to kill germs. It actually got its start 4,500 years ago with textile workers who used lye from ash to wash lanolin off wool. And apparently the so-called barbarians were probably cleaner than the hoity-toity Romans. They used soap while the Romans used spoiled urine. Mmm, spoiled urine. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Mmm. I get it. You use what you got. And if you got some uh, leftover spoiled urine, well, uh, you don't want to let that go to waste, do you know? Right. That's a great tagline. Don't let your waste go to waste. (laughs) Perfect. I was I was born to write taglines for Roman spoiled urine cleaning products. Never let your waste go to waste. Bathe in it. The Romans. (laughs) Oh, God. The far cry from Dr. Bronner's. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It is. It is. (laughs) And we also discovered the disturbing truth that when it comes to dealing with the trials and tribulations of life, many think poorer individuals have thicker skin, figuratively speaking, than rich people. This thick skin bias can negatively affect how politicians, teachers, doctors and therapists treat those already suffering in poverty. Oh, God, this one is a a scary concept, but it's good that people are actually determining that this that exists so they can actually do something about it. But There are other studies that are, I think, equally, if not more disturbing that for the long time, there's been a myth that black populations and brown populations actually had literal thicker skin than their paler counterparts. Wow. You know, so they were being treated differently, whether they were patients at a doctor's office or just. uh, Yeah. And it goes back, unfortunately, to slave days when they thought that slaves had thicker skin. And it's it's a really disturbing myth that needs to be debunked. I mean, it's a pretty convenient myth for someone who wants to keep certain groups down. I mean, you know. Absolutely. The more we know and can do something about it, the better. We also learned that a moderate dose of anxiety can actually help motivate you to get work done. That's not to say it's a good thing if you're a nervous wreck, but a little anxiety can be that fire under your keister to, you know, get your work done. So I guess lean into it a little bit. I'm definitely sadly motivated by anxiety. It's not It's not a fun existence, but it works for me. (laughs) Hey, right. Whatever works. I I know that procrastination can be a little bit of a tool to get stuff done. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think there is a healthy amount of anxiety. People that are a little too laid back maybe lack the uh, motivation or ambition that some people have. Yeah. Hey, that's a good thing for me, I guess. (laughs) Right. Whatever works, man. (laughs) Today's stories were written by Ruben Westmus and Kelsey Dong and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Natalia Reagan and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was edited by me, Ashley Hamer, and our producer is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.